Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast, proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. The podcast series has been created to shine a light on the diverse and inspiring careers of Australia's pharmacists. Each episode will focus on the varied career opportunities within the pharmacy industry by exploring the career paths taken by leaders in the fields of community pharmacy, hospital, industry, government and professional organisations. Careers never follow a defined path. Everyone's story is different and unique in their own way. The podcast series will help you discover the world of opportunities that exist and reveal pathways to achieve your dreams and aspirations. Whether you are a pharmacy student, early career pharmacist, or simply looking for a change at any stage of your career, the podcast series is designed to help you navigate ways into a career and a life that you love. Your host of the podcast series is Ali Sue. Ali, herself a pharmacist, is now the founder of Global Pharmacy Entrepreneurs and a passionate advocate for pharmacists to grow, innovate, excel, and make a lasting impact in the world. It's now over to our host, Ali Sue. Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast. I'm Ali Sue. Today, I'm very excited to speak to Chris Owen, the Queensland Branch President and National Vice President Finance of the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Chris is a third-generation regional community pharmacist with a keen interest in rural health and pharmacy education. He has practical experience and qualifications in rural pharmacy as well as offering specialist services in sexual health, particularly HIV prevention and treatment. In this episode, Chris will discuss full scope of practice pilot for community pharmacists in North Queensland. If you are an early career pharmacist or pharmacy student who is interested in pharmacy ownership or simply want to advance your pharmacy career, make sure you listen to this episode. Without further ado, Let's welcome Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you? Very well, Ali. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. We're very excited. I have lots of questions for you. So let's get right into it. So could you please share with us how you started your pharmacy journey and your current role as the president of Queensland Branch at Pharmacy Guild of Australia? Well, thanks, Ali. And my pharmacy career started... Uh, I would say in the womb, both of my parents are both pharmacists. So uh, I was the child of a university romance uh, and was born into a a pharmacy family. So I graduated from Sydney University uh, in 2006. uh, And I uh, then went on to manage a pharmacy for a couple of years and then bought my first pharmacy in 2009 in New Farm in Queensland and uh, then bought a second pharmacy uh, in Highfields in Toowoomba uh, in 2011. So uh, I got involved with the Guild in around that time, 2010, 2011. Uh, and over the next 10 years, I sort of fell into the role I was as I was going along. And uh, now I'm the president of the Queensland branch of the Pharmacy Guild. So uh, quite excited and wanting to give back to the community, the pharmacy industry. Um, so very much uh, part of the younger generation that's coming through with the Guild. Wow, wonderful. At APP Rural Pharmacy Forum, you talked about the initiatives led by Guild, such as the full scope of pharmacy trial. I was really interested in this trial. What does that mean to our early career pharmacist in the next five to 10 years? Can you share with us, for those who didn't attend APP, what's that about? What does full scope of practice look like? Absolutely. Well, full scope of practice in its entirety means that 
everything that we're trained to do, uh, we'll legally be able to do. Uh, so at the moment, Australia ranks dead last in the OECD. We win the wooden spoon for the scope of practice for pharmacists. So what that means, uh, and a lot of people say, what does full scope of practice mean? And it can be a quite a complex definition, but the most easiest way I can define it is that we can prescribe, dispense, administer, and review all medicines. So we don't want to limit, uh, if you've got a specific training area, we don't want to have to limit that training area just because of legislative hurdles uh, that can, where you can go to your part of the practice that you really want to be able to practice in. And we look at examples such as Alberta in Canada. Uh, now they have autonomous scope of practice for prescribing uh, in their uh, clinical areas where they're experts at. So whether that be diabetes, hypertension, sexual health, uh, if you've got the skills and capability to be able to uh, prescribe and dispense in that space, uh, then you should be able to do that. Now, obviously, we're just starting the journey for, to full scope in Australia. So we do have to start somewhere. Uh, and that start is the North Queensland Full Scope of Practice trial. Uh, now, we've got an election commitment from the current Queensland government that they were to implement a full trial uh, in this current term of government. So they're following through with that election commitment now, and we're working with the government to finalise the parameters of the trial as we speak. And that will be rolling out uh, in the next, oh, but deep, next three months in terms of recruitment. And then we're going to have a 12 to 16 month training platform. Uh, and then you'll be able to practice to full scope uh, in those jurisdictions. So uh, the area that is Mackay North, all the way up to uh, the top of Cape York uh, and out to the border. So Mount Isa uh, and Emerald is included as well. So it's never been a more exciting time to be involved uh, with community pharmacy. So this is exclusive to community pharmacy. Uh, no other uh, pharmacist will be able to practice to full scope, whether it be in Southern Queensland or hospital pharmacy. Uh, the North Queensland community pharmacist will be the envy uh, of the industry. Wow. Certainly it is very exciting. So that will include all diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the skills and knowledge that uh, we'll gain uh, over the course of your degree in any specialised training after that degree should be utilised uh, to be able to provide that differential diagnosis, to be able to prescribe those uh, drugs for those conditions. Uh, but we're also talking about the full uh, breadth and depth of vaccination. So uh, we want to be able to do all vaccines to all people. Uh, and we also want to be able to have uh, some technical functions around uh, prescriptions, such as prescription adaptation. So meaning that if a certain drug was unavailable, whether it be short or not suitable for the patient, that the pharmacist there can uh, have the ability to uh, substitute that for an equivalent medication. So if you're on an ACE inhibitor, for example, then that ACE inhibitor is not suitable, then you can switch across to another ACE inhibitor that's got equal potency. So that's the most important things that we do need to follow up and, and to make sure that there's all these technical skills around the new conditions that we're looking for, um, but there's also uh, the uh, administrative side uh, of what we how we dispense prescriptions and how we can use our cognitive functions to further advance our scope in that area as well. From what I've heard, current pharmacy students in university right now, when they graduate, they will have all the qualifications to do so. Is that correct? From what we're hearing from the universities is that they are uh, going to adapt their programs over the next couple of years so that, uh, for example, what I've been told, and I don't, it's up to the individual universities how they follow this through, but 
Current second years would be graduating with a full scope mantra, uh, but it would be a five-year course. So uh, what we understand is that the intern year will be pushed into the degree. There won't be a specific external intern year going forward. It'll just become a five-year degree. Uh, but at that degree level uh, will be a lot higher. So it'll be considered a, a master's extended, uh, so an AQF or a uh, quality, Australian Quality Framework Level 9, uh, which is equivalent to what our British and UK counterparts do. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one thing that we've uh, found uh, troublesome over the past probably 10 years is professional reciprocity, uh, which means that if we can't want to go to an overseas jurisdiction, we actually have to do another 12 months of training. Um, even though our degrees are, are world-class, uh, they are considered equivalent because we've been doing essentially a four-year bachelor's uh, by international standards, that's behind what's required for a pharmacist. So uh, looking to a five-year program, we'd be doing a, a level uh, master's extended, uh, which would then bring us uh, onto that international scale and provide some sort of reciprocity with those uh, equivalent jurisdictions, whether it be the EU countries or the, the USA. Wow, that's that's exciting. What about for the earlier career pharmacists? We have graduated already. What should we do now? Yeah, so uh, if you want to get involved straight away, head to uh, North Queensland and I'm sure there'll be a pharmacy willing to, uh, to take you on there. But uh, short of that, uh, so this is probably a five-year plan. Uh, the trial will take probably three years uh, to get through and then hopefully we'll be then rolling that out to the rest of the state going forward. So uh, assuming we get all the right results and we get all the, uh, the data that we expect out of this trial and it's to be positive, uh, then we'll have a, a, the training program will be similar. So it'll be uh, 12 to 16 months uh, of a postgraduate program. So we'll be retrofitting the rest of the profession uh, so people like me and yourself have already graduated. If we want to be able to do these full scope initiatives, then we will need to do some further university study. Uh, but again, it would be in that 12 to 16 month category. And if you want to get the jump on it, then North Queensland's the place to be in the next couple of years. Thank you. You talk about full scope of practice and we see in pharmacy now increasing service vaccinations, certainly, and also specialised services. Many early career pharmacists are actually feeling the pressure from these increased services. It's very exciting. We're learning, but at the same time, we only have limited staff still, the same amount of staff as before, and many have left burnt out. What are your thoughts on that? And how can pharmacy owners prepare to support early career pharmacists? Yeah, absolutely. And this comes back to the resourcing uh, requirements. So when I started my pharmacy career, uh, we had to manually sort uh, PBS claims, uh, which means you had to go through and send, go through, make sure that they were all there. Uh, and we didn't have the ability to have automation uh, through our packing processes or our dispensing robots. Uh, so there has been a lot of streamlining, particularly around the administrative side uh, of pharmacy uh, and also through automation, we're finding uh, that those skills uh, that are required uh, are shifting uh, towards a cognitive function. So uh, we can't have our cake and eat it too, obviously. We need to be able to uh, adequately resource pharmacists to be able to go and achieve these new things, um, but not at the expense uh, of what our regular day-to-day -day duties are. Uh, so, of course, there's going to be an increased human capital requirement. So whether that be uh, more techs, whether that be more pharmacists on the, on the 
floor uh, or whether that be uh, requirements in uh, fitting out our pharmacies for consulting rooms. I'm sure that most pharmacies would have a consulting room now, but we need to also adequately resource that human capital, provide incentives to do the training, uh, provide uh, adequate cover for people to be away for those times during the training as well. Uh, but this is the future of pharmacy and this is where uh, we believe that we'll bring back the prestige to the profession. I think that goes without saying that there's been a a general uh, downtrend uh, in pharmacists who are staying in community pharmacy, number one, uh, but also coming into the pharmacy degree uh, in at all. So uh, we, especially at the Guild, we look at it as a, as a life-threatening uh, proposal is that more and more people will be going outside of the community pharmacy network uh, where 77% of students are employed by the community pharmacy network, but only 30% of students want, will say they'll stay in it after they're graduating. Uh, which is uh, scary and really is beyond a biggest belief from me uh, is to say that why are these people choosing to stay out of community pharmacy? And we're all clinicians in the same respect. So we have to look at you know, internally about what our community pharmacies are providing for those early career pharmacists and why are they looking uh, for external uh, support or they're looking for uh, other job avenues um, because they obviously don't feel supported uh, whether it be through uh, through wages or professional uh, growth, um, that we need to be able to look at this. So uh, it's certainly something that we understand as the Guild, that we need to play our part in this industry to make sure that early career pharmacists are supported. Uh, this is a professional growth platform uh, that you will not see in other industries. Uh, we are leading this. Uh, we have been for many years. Uh, and it is certainly something that we see as bringing the prestige and the value back to the profession, uh, which in turn will then have a flow on effect too. I, I would dare say that wages will be associated with it. Uh, and even if there is a, an ability to uh, do a, a profit share model, uh, that may be something in the future similar to what a doctor's surgery does, uh, because these are going to be based on individual practitioners. Uh, there's no reason that you couldn't be going to that sort of model as well. But uh, obviously, we're talking three to five years down the track, and we need to more urgently look at the workforce issues that we're dealing with at the moment. Many early career pharmacists or pharmacy students, they want to have the business part of pharmacy. They want to get into pharmacy ownership. But mm. because pharmacy ownership is so hard to get into, can you give us some advice on being a community pharmacy owner? Does that look like for us in the future? My old mantra is there's no shortcuts to success. Uh, and one thing that millennials can be accused of, and I'm not far away from being a millennial myself, uh, but what they're accused of is they want uh, everything now, uh, which sometimes can happen and sometimes can't. So we need to make sure that we have the ability uh, to look at our long-term prospects. So where we want to be in 10 to 15 years, uh, and then we have a five-year plan. Uh, so most importantly, and then I did write this article uh, back in February, I said this, there's three things that people need to do uh, as young pharmacists to, uh, to get ahead. Uh, number one, upskill yourself. So whether that be doing uh, some business courses, whether it's formal education or informal education, uh, it doesn't particularly matter. Um, but have a mentor, have someone you can talk to about these things. Um, now, that mentor could be your boss. It could be someone like me who's in a uh, elected position. It uh, could be simply someone who you, you deem as successful in your local area. Uh, talk to them about the, the pros and cons of ownership and um, while we all can all say it's all beer and Skittles, there's a lot of pharmacy owners out there that are struggling as well. They're working 70, 80 hour weeks because uh, it's all on them. And that's the, that's the other pitfall uh, is that we need to look at uh, when you're making these decisions, 
is it, are we doing it for the right reasons? Are you doing it because you desperately want to be a pharmacy owner or are you doing it because that business can be successful? And if you're running it, you can be, you can make it even more successful. Uh, the second thing that I would say is don't stay in the cities. It is almost impossible unless you're going in as a minor partner for one of the uh, bigger owners out there, you will not be able to get on your own two feet uh, where you're going to have financial independence uh, if you don't go rural. Uh, so there'll be very, uh, there'll be a few unicorn situations where it comes off for you and you're uh, involved with someone who's transitioning out of the business. But most commonly, if you want to make a good fist of it and you want to be able to uh, fast track your career, um, buy 100% of a pharmacy in a rural area because you or 50% even. You need to be able to have that financial independence and to do that, uh, you need to be able to make sure that you've got some credit history and you've got some backing and it's not that difficult to be able to find someone who's willing to finance you into a pharmacy. So uh, one of the things the Guild's actually looking at now is, is providing a funding vehicle for those initial deposits uh, for pharmacies. So uh, it's something that uh, we'll be announcing over the next probably six months. But uh, it's a, a My First Pharmacy uh, platform uh, that we'll be looking into. We'll be financing that initial deposit part uh, where the banks will be funding the rest of it. So uh, one of the issues that we have highlighted over a number of years is that young pharmacists don't have access to capital. Um, so to be able to provide a solution to that problem uh, is what we're, we're looking very much in depth at. Um, and the third thing that I would say uh, be, would be to look uh, at that digital transformation. So uh, we've got a tr very traditional bricks and mortar uh, pharmacy industry. Uh, we've started to dabble into a little bit of online and there's a lot of click and collect going with the bigger brands, uh, but there's certainly some uh, innovative pharmacists out there that may have some different skill sets uh, that they can utilize in that online space. Um, I know particularly around certain conditions, like for example, uh, my pharmacy in the Valley uh, is a very large uh, sexual health area. So HIV positive population. Uh, and we've got a specific website which is dedicated to all the information about that. Uh, and it's branded Positive Pharmacy, which is not what the pharmacy's name is, but it's just more of an online marketplace uh, where it will direct us to that pharmacy as well. So between those three things, I think don't undersell yourself, get some extra training, go rural uh, or get a, a mentor or a funder that can help you out uh, and look at those innovative business models uh, that may be popping up in the future. If you have to prove your, there's two sides of the coin. The business to pay more needs to show, you need to show value to that person. Uh, but on the flip side, if you're getting paid an award rate or just above uh, and you're working for that award rate, you've just set your worth. If you're saying that you're worth $32 or $35 an hour, whatever it is, uh, and that's what you're getting paid and you're happy to work for that, that's what your worth is. Despite all the other education or all the other uh, ability of uh, activities that you can do uh, beyond your normal uh, role as a dispensing pharmacist, um, then you need to be able to uh, say no, walk away, go get, an, go get another job. I said, because despite what, and I, without singling out individual groups, there's certainly groups out there uh, that will uh, offer to pay below what the, the market rates are. And if you're working for those people, um, then you need to make sure that, I said, if you're taking that money, then that's what, you work, that's what your value is. And if you think you're worth more, then go elsewhere. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So if an early career pharmacist wants to, again, wants to get into the business, how can they find a mentor willing to take them through this, this hurdle? Feel like there's, there's a invisible doorway 
between、mm. the early career pharmacist and the actual ownership. Unless you're mentored by someone who's willing to share that profit loss statement、yeah. with you, then you won't be able to enter into that even the learning stage of the、mm. business or the management. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably more interested than most about furthering your career as well and finding that mentorship. So,、uh, in terms of formal education,、uh, the Australian Australasian College of Pharmacy does have、uh, diploma courses in business、uh, and specifically around pharmacy. So that's a great place to start.、Uh, secondly, in terms of finding mentoring,、uh, there's different groups that will offer、um, and. I believe some of the pharmacy brokers and、uh, Medici Capital definitely offer a mentoring program. So,、um, if you are looking out to get into pharmacy ownership and you're looking for、um, some opportunities to meet some owners,、um, then certainly the pharmacy brokers. As a Medici Capital,、uh, I know、uh, Nat Siriani. She's、uh, a very、uh, approachable person when it comes to to mentoring young pharmacists. But I understand it's it's difficult. But、um, even LinkedIn is a good place. Uh, to start, so、uh, I've mentored a couple of、uh, early career pharmacists on LinkedIn who've just reached out to me and said, "Hey, this is what I'm expecting you doing. What's your thoughts?"、Uh, and it doesn't have to be a, a formalised structure. This can be、uh, going to networking events, for example. Now, if you haven't been to APP,、uh, then that's certainly one of the best places that you can network、uh, with a lot number of people at once.、Uh, but also, as I said, going to networking events. So whether it be、uh, specific early career pharmacist events. Uh, general events.、Uh, so the Australasian College of Pharmacy holds、uh, some chapter events for theirs as well. So there's certainly avenues where you can talk to pharmacists in your local area.、Um, but even having the conversation with, if you're an early career pharmacist, say to your boss, "Hey, I'm interested in X. Can you help me over the next month or two to develop my skills in this?"、Uh, and you'd be surprised at what their sort of response is. And、uh, if It is a negative response. Then maybe you need to reassess where you're working and why you're working there.、Uh, if they're not looking after your professional development, as an owner, as an employee, I want to make sure that the, my employees are learning the whole time that they're through. And we need to be able, at the end of their employment, if they happen to leave me for、uh, for whatever reason, I'm never upset that I've spent time and energy and money training that person to be a better pharmacist. Because at the end of the day, what's worse, someone who you put money and time and effort into and they leave. Where、well, you don't put that money, time, and effort in, and they stay. So the cost of the business is obviously much more detrimental than that second、uh, option. So I said training is always, and training and education is lifelong. Regard whether it's in our professional or private lives,、uh, we are always learning, and it's something that those soft skills, the, the emotional intelligence type questions about how we deal with our own emotions and how that projects onto other people. That's probably one of the most important skills for pharmacists. We come from a very scientific、uh, background where we look at numbers, facts, figures,、uh, and we reproduce those on cue. That's essentially what a pharmacist does. So to provide those、uh, soft skills, the emotional intelligence, dealing with、uh, someone who's having a rough day and being able to say, "Well, okay, I understand this is what's going on, but we need to be able to、um, do this." Uh, for the next couple of hours, and then we can have a chat about it. So, I certainly think that that's one things where early career pharmacists probably struggle with that、uh, emotional intelligence side of things.、Uh, just by the nature of being pharmacists,、uh, that personal nature can sometimes be a little bit secondary、uh, to the technical skill of dispensing a prescription or giving out advice to a patient. Wow! Thank you so much. Any last words? Any last advice you want to give to our early career pharmacists or students? 
Yeah, well, I just think in terms of uh, a time to be in pharmacy, it's never been more exciting. As I said, we've got so many things on the boil uh, that will provide uh, the community pharmacy network initially um, a much greater boost in our uh, professional reward uh, and in terms of our career progressions going forward. So uh, it's certainly something that is not going to come without a fight. Uh, we understand that. Uh, and it's not going to be without its pitfalls in turn challenges. Uh, but it's certainly something that we have to do uh, to be able to uh, get us off the bottom of the list in terms of pharmacist scope of practice around the world uh, and to be able to help out those Australians that are in need, especially in rural and remote Australia where accessing a GP is very difficult. So um, definitely something that I'm very excited about. And I think that all early career pharmacists should be excited about this scope of practice opportunity uh, because it's certainly something that's going to be uh, taking charge of our profession over the next three to five years uh, and certainly something that is going to be uh, the base for the next generation of pharmacists uh, to provide their mark on the Australian healthcare landscape. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. No worries, Ali. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Your Pharmacy Career Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. If you enjoyed this episode and know anyone else who you think would benefit from it, we would be grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we help even more pharmacists develop a career and life they love. If you have any questions or suggestions about future podcast episodes, please reach out to us via email info at ravensrecruitment.com.au.